Welcome to the Home Girl Factor podcast. I am your host, Damaris Acevedo. This podcast is a pathway to open and honest conversations with women in all walks of life about being a first-generational individual in America and discussing the challenges and difficulties faced growing up in a multicultural home. We will also go into depth in discussing the challenges faced when raised in a bilingual home and to raise awareness on how delicate our experiences are in our earlier years and how they can change the direction of our lives. This podcast is for anyone that loves to hear stories and learn how to grow and expand your quality of life by learning from others' experiences. These conversations are from personal experiences of the speakers and in no shape or form are recommendations or replacing professional advice. Enjoy! Thank you for joining me today. My guest today is Briseida Ubiles. She is a music teacher for a school for children with different abilities. She has a bachelor's degree in music performance and a psychology minor. And she sings for fun on the side and loves all music related things. Enjoy. Uh, Briseida, welcome uh, to the Home Girl uh, Factor podcast. Um, today's episode, I wanted to talk about your voice, uh, and meaning your voice, you know, uh, the fact that you work with children. So what, um, wh what exactly do you do? So as of right now, I am a music teacher, um, for a school that serves kids with different abilities. Um, what that means, um, Uh, children with conditions such as autism, um, Down syndrome, children with intellectual disabilities, learning um, disabilities, um, and kind of the gamut of that. Um, and so it's not solely, though, for children with certain different abilities. It is also for kids who um, do not obtain those different abilities. So it is an inclusion model. Mm -hmm. Um, so both of them, both populations, if you will, um, can be able to, to be in, to, in this type of, um, in this type of like school model. So that's where I currently work. And, um, I honestly really love it just because it shows you a, how, um, kids who do not obtain the different abilities, they are able to still, befriend and respect and um really give uh the these children the um the friendship that they deserve um and I feel like for me personally I didn't really see that growing up mm -hmm. so it is really nice to see that those two populations can kind of coexist and um you know create really good bonds together Um, and also, like I said, create that respect because they're really in, I feel like in typical society, there is a lot of stigma surrounding children and just individuals in general with, um, you know, like the different types of conditions I mentioned, autism, Down syndrome, um, and the other intellectual disabilities, learning disabilities, there's a lot of stigma and a lot of negative connotation surrounding those populations. So to know that I work in a place where those they can coexist and seeing even from children that 
people or children can, you know, respect each other um, on the same level that I feel like some adults cannot. <laughs> um, yeah. That is a whole thing. So yeah. um, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. And you're doing great work. I mean, that is impressive and admirable what you're doing. So let me ask you, do you use singing as the, you know, uh, the tool to, to teach them with voice therapy? Is that how it works? That I really, so I, I do do some um, voice like lessons and, um, I would say a majority because I, like I said, I, the population I do deal with, I'd say a lot of the time it's mostly through instrumental, um, it, like through instruments such as like piano and ukulele that those populations seem to be more comfortable with that um, more than like singing. However, when I do meet certain students that do love to sing and, you know, want to show that out, I truly love it because I, to see that they have that potential and that capability um, that they want to work on it. They want to work hard for it. I mean, I have a, a spring concert coming up next week and I have about, I want to say like over a hundred second and third graders that are going to be singing in it. And I feel like these kids do shine a lot more whenever they do learn songs um, that they know and that they're comfortable with because they tend to show a different side of themselves. I mean, with these conditions, I mean, I've talked, I mean, because they are my students, they do have a certain level of comfortability with me. And I do feel like they've easily, like, you know, been able to open up to me and tell me certain things where they feel like, you know, they are insecure or they feel like they second guess themselves and their confidence. Whereas like wow. the song comes up or, you know, a certain song comes up, for example, like my kids um, for next week, they're going to be singing Hawaiian roller coaster ride from Lilo and Stitch. And they love that song. Like there's kids that I haven't heard them be as vocal as they are with like in general in daily life. But when that song comes on, they like sing it with their whole heart they're learning new languages with that particular song where we learned a lot of the Hawaiian words and what they mean. Yeah. So it is really cool because with voice and vocal like performances and um, whether they be big or small scale, I do feel like a lot of the time that can open a different side of a child and just in, a person in general, like just their personality can extend more and grow more through that, which is That's really cool to see. That's beautiful. And aside from what you're doing with them with voice therapy, you're also being an emotional support and helping them, you know, in their persona, like their personality, they're learning to express themselves to be more free. And I think that's beautiful. You know, I mean, I think that what you're doing is an incredible, an incredible work. So my first episode, um, I spoke about how a mother's emotion can affect the child as you know even in the womb you know mm -hmm. or early years so I don't know much of what you're doing and how you know children what the experiences are that they've had that they've needed voice therapy uh, I know you said down syndrome and son autism I understand that but are there in your experience is there any other reason why a child may need voice therapy 
Um, I would say there's a few. There's sometimes, especially, so other, another population that's pretty prevalent in my school are children who either um, are nonverbal, like they either choose to be nonverbal, uh, meaning they choose, they can speak, um, just like me and you, however, they choose to not communicate verbally. So sometimes they'll, um, you know, use devices and things of that nature yeah. that will help them communicate. But with our children that are trying to verbalize uh, like certain words, however, it's coming out either slurred or just kind of like you can get the gist of the word, but it's really not fully formed. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like that, those kinds of populations. And <clears throat> um, most of the time I see it with children with autism. I'm not too sure as to why that is, but I have noticed that a larger population of autism, of children with autism tend to, um, I wouldn't say suffer, but tend to experience that that type of um, attribute to the condition. So um, because of that, they, they do, we do have in-house speech therapy, thankfully, for these children that do attend the school. So they are not only working on their like academics, but they can also work on that speech component because that is, especially for children, like that is like the ultimate uh, gateway into your social life, right? That's yeah, how we yeah. start our, our friendships. That's how we start our relationships. And even if it's not even socially with with peers that's how we communicate with our family that's how we gain relationship in general like that's how we form human relationships and human connection so um it is really important for any type of voice therapy speech therapy to be um fully enforced with those types of populations because again they are it, it makes it harder for them to um, create those relationships without it and create like those bonds with their peers without it. And yeah. also when you are a kid, you feel, you want a sense of belonging. So if you cannot feel like you, you can't communicate and you're not working on that and you do nothing to work on that, um, whether again, whether that be with a device or without one and just trying to little by little learn words, um, that that can isolate you and you can feel isolated when in reality like especially because like I said at the school particularly that I work at they offer that and even with my my students like when we try and do singing like there's kids that have learned words through our songs that we learn throughout the year so even that has helped them grow and expand their their vocabulary which is really cool And, and, and like I said it furthers that relationship and that bonding that they can make with their peers and their families. Yeah. And, you know, you said something earlier that that was really important. We didn't have this growing up while you were Mm -hmm. growing up. They didn't have this kind of therapy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with one of my topics, you know, the challenges of being bilingual in a home, um, I personally feel like I had a lot of, you know, challenges growing up. And do you think that maybe being raised in a bilingual home and then having these extra challenges makes it even more difficult because they're trying to learn two languages, right? Yes. Yeah, essentially. But I will say, especially depending on the age of the child, um, 
I will say, I feel like learning a language early on in life, because the way the way that children's minds are so adaptable early on, it's better to learn the language and learn two languages, even if you want to add on a third. Learning language in general is so much easier when you are younger versus when you're older. Hence why people tend to, you know, sign up for Rosetta Stone or Duolingo and then they don't follow through because it is so difficult to follow through since we have been inundated with, you know, our primary language, let's say, um, for so long that it's it's hard to keep track and to kind of um, separate the two and adapt to both and try and make sure that you're using the right pretenses, the right, you know, whether it's past tense, pretense um, in both languages. So, and I will say here, sit here and say that even with like, you know, specifically English, English is a hard and difficult language. Um, and I feel like people don't really understand that. And especially for children who already have a verbal delay, like a speech delay, or, you know, like I said, like they, they are not able to fully create full sentences, full words. Like English is a very hard language to, um, to learn in general. So the harder the language and even just in general, like language, itself is easier to learn when you are younger because of the fact that like the way our brains are and because they are so um what's it called they're so adaptable when we are first born that I've had I've had little kids talk talk to me in Spanish way better than I've ever been able Aww. to speak Spanish because <laughs> I learned Spanish when I was in high school I didn't really learn um from my family I mean I picked some words up but it wasn't like anything as if I were to have learned when I was a kid and oh, so wow. and so I can even, yeah I thought you came from a background a Latino background yeah I did but um, like I came from a single mom household so it wasn't like she was really talking to me in Spanish she mostly did most of her work in English so really it wasn't like I was challenged or told or even you know made to speak that language because there was no need for me to speak that language That's the and so, my daughter she um she has the same situation she grew up with me and though we do speak fluent Spanish my husband and I uh, and her first her first language was Spanish her tendency to speak English you know she was she preferred English over anything mm -hmm. else mm -hmm. so that was yeah. hard yeah. yeah, but no, yeah. I mean, you know, you learn the you learn the language. So it's awesome. It's it's good that you actually learned it. So yes, I'm very happy. I I have granted. Yeah. I do have more to go, but I'm I'm glad I'm better than where I was before. <laughs> yes. So um, you have a beautiful voice, and I know that because I've spent time with you, and <laughs> I was yeah. I was impressed with your music. Uh, and when I heard you sing the Whitney Houston song, I, that just blew me away. So um, did you, when did you discover that you had a, like such a beautiful voice? Well, first, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's a very kind of you. Um, I started singing. So I will say like, I knew, or not even knew, but like, I just felt like that. I, I really do feel like it is something that you're either not even born with, but necessarily like, like you're either inspired, I guess that's the better word. You're yeah. either inspired by it or you're not. 
Um, that's why, like, with my kids, like, with whatever I do with my, my kids who do lessons, like, outside of just regular schooling, I do do lessons um, by the hour um, after school. And there are certain times where parents want, parents want them to do a certain thing or an instrument or whatever, but the kid is miserable. So it's like, I really do feel like with music, it's one of those things that you're either inspired to do it and you really want to work for it or you're not, you don't like it and that's okay. Like I'm, and I never get very, uh, what's the word, like offended by children that don't want to do it. Because again, like there were times that I didn't want to do certain like sports, for example, I knew sports wasn't for me (laughs) and and, and singing was more for me and music was for more more for me. So um, with that being said though, like for me, when I knew like, this is, this is something and this is my life and this is what I want to work for. I would say like, I had to be around like, six maybe even five six seven years old I like started listening to a lot of Alicia Keys CDs and I could not could not put put them down like I just sang her music on absolute loop um like with my little Walkman type of you know Kmart I like had this little Kmart cassette tape or um player and then I also like had a CD player with the headphones and I just like hearing her voice truly made me like want to become a better singer a but also inspired me to just sing in general like her voice was so powerful and I was like I want the feeling that I'm feeling I want other people to feel when I sing yeah that's beautiful I mean you Definitely. You de- I mean, and I'm sure you keep practicing and um, maybe you can uh, send us a link to your video so we can put it on the show notes and they can listen to that beautiful song that I. That I- <laughs> but um, another thing I wanted to ask you was, so, you know, a lot of parents come to this country and their kids are, you know, torn between two languages and going to school um, when they have a disability what would you say to a parent? Like, what would be an advice to look out for when you see that a child is starting to have these challenges and they need help, but they're, they're not trying to figure it out. They think that the kid may just have an issue because they're learning two languages, but it may just be like a voice disability. What would you say to look out for? Um, I would, I mean, and granted, I'm going to put it out there that I'm not an expert in any way, but, um, just off based off of observation, like I would say like looking for if like the child is, um, affected on a daily basis, like they are completely consistently, that's the word consistently frustrated with trying to communicate, especially like with certain whether that be a, the, the Spanish population or English population seeing like that frustration on a daily basis oh. because now with that frustration you're seeing that it's hindering a child's daily life and when it becomes that frequent that something is you know either uh, affecting a child or pushing them away from speaking a certain language on a daily basis and maybe looking into that to see if that could be something like speech therapy or anything to that effect might be uh, 
a way uh, a way for them to work on those skills and also on those certain words in the language um, to kind of motivate them in a setting rather than than them being in a social setting because in a social setting nobody's really going to willing to teach you anything right like you're going to act like okay you need to understand what I'm saying right now um, or if not I'm just not going to talk to you or I'm going to ignore you or you know like I'm not going to understand what you're saying and then I'm going to get frustrated so whereas if it's a therapeutic setting that is the setting to learn the words that is the setting to be motivated to learn the language and to to want to learn the language too because that's another thing is like being motivated to want to do it versus a situation and multiple situations possibly that they'll feel frustrated and they're like you know what this doesn't motivate me this doesn't even make me want to try it so I think definitely seeing that might help a child like you know being seeing those signs might help a parent want to intervene and try and bring in again a therapeutic setting rather than trying just to set them into a social setting and keep setting pushing them in social settings when social settings aren't meant to teach they are meant to challenge and I think the teaching needs to happen in the therapeutic setting if that makes any sense yeah it does it does but that that is really incredible but you know I really want to thank you for sharing all your knowledge (laughs) and um, participating in this uh, conversation. Um, There's lots of conversations to come uh, that are related to the voice. And that's one of my main subjects. Uh, My my voice conversation has nothing to do with voice therapy, but in a way it does. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I was challenged uh, as a young girl Uh, I had certain things happen in my life that kind of stopped me from using my voice. Mm. So, um, uh, and it was more of a traumatic situation. So, Mm. um, yes, I do speak regularly. I mean, you've had conversations with me, but for me, um, having uh, my voice impaired, if I'm going to call, you know, if I can say that, Mm -hmm. was and speak. I couldn't speak my mind, my, you know, Mm -hmm myself so this is one of the reasons why uh, this is born this podcast mm-hmm. um, for me as well to help me to move that needle with that so um, but I really appreciate you know your experience and all your knowledge and your input and I hope someone can um, learn from this uh, episode <laughs> thank you and I'm I'm really glad that you're using this platform and opening this platform up for not just yourself but also for others to speak on certain topics that relate to you know, the woman experience, the Latin woman experience, um, and just speaking our minds. And I, we, I just really appreciate that creating that safe space. Thank you so much. And I will be hopefully, hopefully seeing you soon. So you take care of yourself and, uh, it was lovely talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it greatly. You're welcome, sweetheart. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me today and please rate and comment on this episode. I greatly appreciate your input. I hope to see you next time.